Thanks for listening to The Vine's podcast. The Vine is a church in Austin, Texas, with the simple goal of following Jesus together. And we hope this message helps you in doing just that. Our scripture reading today comes from the book of Genesis, as well as Paul's letter to the church in Corinth. So Genesis 1, 26 through 31. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds in the sky, over livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish and the sea and the birds and the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Our second reading is from uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, 17 through 18, and then chapter 4, 6 through 7. Now, the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine into our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. This is the word of the Lord. Let me begin with the word of prayer. Call this a prayer of illumination. Father, we thank you for this day. In spirit, we recognize your presence in the room with us. And we pray that you would open our hearts and minds to the power of your word to the sound of your voice as you speak to us. We receive you. We pray that you would speak in our hearts, and we pray that you would give us the the power and the grace and the courage to speak to one another as well. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So a couple of disclaimers. This is going to go relatively quick. There's, There's good news here. And sometimes good news is hard to hear. We're in the middle of a series, Beginnings, and we're looking at the days of creation in Genesis 1 as a window to think about, to talk about new beginnings in each of our lives. Now, sometimes new beginnings can be unexpected or even unwanted. New beginnings can be disorienting, even disturbing. Uh, New beginnings can be answers to prayer or answers to others' prayers for us. New beginnings can be all these things. Are we able to recognize and are we able to embrace the new beginnings in our lives? 
And using the window of Genesis 1, we've looked at each day of creation and we've taken it as a theme to talk about how beginnings occur in our lives. Day one was light. Day two was expanse. Day three, seeds. Day four, seasons. Day five, monsters. And now we've come to day six. Day six, we're talking about us, humankind created in the image of God. Now, our scripture, uh, this is another translation of it, and God said, let us make man or humankind in our own image after our likeness. So God created man or humankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Now, I wonder if we can picture the scene as this takes place, according to the story in Genesis 1, I mean, these words didn't come out of nowhere. There was a lot of stuff going on already. And, and I'm curious for each one of us, how do we picture that opening scene when this take place, takes place? For me, if I was to, you know, what do I see? I don't see the hill country as much as I love the hill country. For whatever reason, I, I see the Smoky Mountains, North Carolina. I see such green green vibrancy, mountains, streams, everything's lush, and animals are everywhere, and birds, even insects, but they don't bite. <laughs> what do you see when you picture creation before the creation of humankind? Can you get the image in your mind? And then God speaks these words, let us make man, let us make humankind in our own image. And it is so. I wonder what phrases come to mind when we think about God creating us in his image. Now, there's actually kind of a famous quote that goes along with this from a French philosopher named Voltaire. His quip reads like this, in the beginning, God created man in his own image, and we've been trying to return the favor ever since making God or remaking God into our image. Now, it's interesting. What comes to mind as you see that quip? Because I'd say we do that all the time. In Jesus' day, there was a common parable that was told by the rabbis. It was a parable of a farmer who needed to get some day laborers. And at the first of the day, he goes and he gets some laborers, says, I'll pay you this much money, and they say, okay, and they go to work. About halfway through the day, the farmer realizes, I need some more workers. So he goes back into town, picks up some more workers. They only work half a day, but at the end of the day, he pays them all the same. And then the story, as the rabbis tell it, is this. Why does he pay them all the same? Because the workers who only worked half a day were twice as productive as the workers who started at the first of the day. In other words, in the common telling of this parable, it's a parable of just compensation. We're compensated for what we produce. Now, it may come to mind that Jesus had a different take on basically the same parable. He tells the parable about the farmer who needs day workers. 
And he gets some at the start of the day, and he says, uh, I'll pay you X per hour. I'll pay you X for the day. He gets workers in the middle of the day. He gets, even gets workers at the end of the day. And then at the end of the day, he pays them all the same. And they complain, now, this isn't fair. This isn't just. See, in Jesus telling, the parable is not a parable of just compensation. It's a parable about a crazy farmer. It's a parable about unrelenting grace. It's a parable, a parable about love and extravagance, that the Father is just such a being of love, extravagance, hard to comprehend. See, so often when we make God in our own, in our own image, we make him into an image of just compensation. And that's not the God we find in the Bible. Image of God. In Latin, we would say the imago Dei. You may have heard that phrase before. In Hebrew, tselem, tselem Elohim, image of God. Greek, uh, icon to theu, image of God. In Latin, this has some currency. Uh, may have heard it's been written about, thought about for thousands of years. So our question this morning is, what does it mean to be created in the image of God? And then in, in the context of our series, how is it a window into embracing, even recognizing God's new beginnings for us? Now, image of God, what comes to mind? How has this been answered over the years? Well, it's been claimed that the image of God means rationality. It, it, it might mean moral reasoning. That's the image of God. It might mean interiority, that I can hear myself think. It might be temporality, that I can see the beginning and end of things. It might mean free will. That's how this has been talked about over the centuries. I wonder what comes to mind for each of us. And I would say, let's start with the text, the text of Genesis, and let's just observe what's there. If we want to understand what image of God means, let's look at what's there. And I propose that three qualities most stand out as we look at the text of Genesis chapter 1. Three qualities about God that answer the question, what does it mean to be created in the image of God? At the same time, I want us to use image of God, these three characteristics, as a window and I think these three characteristics are connected to some stuck points, some stuck points that keep us, that prevent us from experiencing the new beginnings that God has for us. I see a connection between these three qualities, community, agency, goodness. I, I see a connection between these three realities of who we are created in the image of God, a connection of these three stucks a connection to these three stucks that keep us from living into our new beginnings today. The three stucks are isolation, powerlessness, and pessimism. Now, this is the whole sermon. We're going to unpack these three together. Uh, so what does it mean to be created in the image of God? Well, it, it means community. That's what we see in the text. Uh, how do we know that? Because the very first thing we see in our text today, and then God said, let us, 
Let us make humankind in our image. There's an us there, Father, Son, Spirit, uh, three in one, Holy Trinity. It's been said that we, humankind, are created out of the overflow of love that exists within the Trinity. And Proverbs 8, we know that the Spirit was there at creation. John chapter 1, Jesus, the Logos, we know that the Logos was there at creation. The image of God is in us. So, window, new beginnings, created in the image of God, community. What stuck point? What stuck point does this confront or challenge? And the stuck point is isolation, going it alone. That's the stuck. In the image of God, we're built for us's. We're better together. Now, I want to be careful here when I say that we're better together. Um, This may help. So Friday night was Valentine's Day. Stephanie and I go out to the leaning pair in Wimberley. And during the meal, I reached forward and held her hands and gazed into her dulcet eyes. And I said to Stephanie, Stephanie, my love, you do not complete me. Okay, Jerry Maguire, you know that scene, Jerry Maguire, Tom Cruise, and Renee Zellweger, and at the climax of the movie, you know, it's the big line, oh, you complete me, and then she says, what, you had me at hello. Now just think about that line a little bit. You complete me. How selfish is that? As if the goal of life is for you to complete me? That's not too far off from me saying to Stephanie, she's asked, do you love me? And I say, well, you really look good on my arm and I feel proud in front of my friends. You see how it's missing the point? It's not about me. And I do say that Stephanie does not complete me. And I do not complete Stephanie. But we're a pretty good us together. That's how I'd say it. And we're built for the us. By the way, Stephanie is not the only us in my life. And I'm not the only us in Stephanie's life. Created in the image of God, we're built for the us. And we're better together. You see, isolation, isolation is the killer. Because we need others to remind us who we are in Christ. We need others to hold our hands when we grieve. We need others to knock our heads together with as we're trying to puzzle something out. We need others to achieve a high aim together. And others need us too with them. The image of God is in us. This is our inheritance. This is our calling. This is our identity. We're built for the us. Now, community can be hard. And please understand me. I'm not saying that we should force anything. It's going to be organic. It takes some skill, some patience, and some forbearance to become an us with others. 
Now, uh, vine groups or abide or mission trips or affinity groups, pickleball, these are all great places where community takes place to a level. But I'm actually thinking a little bit deeper. And, and I would describe those forms of community as the environment or as environments where usness can take place and begin to grow. What does it mean to be committed to, to be created in the image of God? It means community. It means we're better together. And what stuckness does community confront with new beginnings? It confronts the stuckness of isolation, of going it alone. That was one. What does it mean to be created in the image of God? Well, again, let's go back to the text. What do we see? about this being called God. And again and again, from the start of the text, from Genesis 1, what do we see about God? What does it mean to be in the image of God? And what we see is agency, the power to do things, to think and act, to conceive, to deliberate, to execute. Let there be light, and then there's light. Let there be an expanse, and then there's an expanse. Uh, let the dry land appear, separate from the, from the seas, uh, waters, vegetation, uh, vegetation-bearing seeds, sun, moon, stars. Let there be this. Let there be that. Agency. Agency is the power to do things. That's what it means to be created in the image of God. Now, I learned something about agency this past week. On Thursday, my dad and I uh, got together, and he had me sign a few documents in the presence of a notary. One document was called a statutory durable power of attorney. And, and I'm sorry. Another was called a, a medical power of eternity. Eternity. Wow. How would you like to have the medical power of eternity? Uh, <laughs> And I feel emotional out of my love for my dad. And, and he's okay. I mean, I, you know, let me I don't put you at ease. He's okay, and he's not. He's old. Things are tough. And he's going to have a, a procedure, a surgery. It, it's on his foot, but he wanted me to have agency. And so he gave me these documents. And now let me tell you, I have agency I even had to sign a certification, also notarized, that I understand the powers of my agency and my powers are vast. This is what agency means. And this is what we find in the image of God. Now, what stuck point does agency confront? What's the stuck point from new beginnings? And that stuck point I've described as powerlessness. Powerlessness is really easy to spot in other people. It's like the employee that, uh, that just can't get it right, but then has 10 excuses why it couldn't be done. Uh, or, or maybe it's the friend who decries their fitness, but they won't change their diet or go to the gym. It's really easy to spot powerlessness in others. 
it's a little bit harder to recognize it in ourselves. You want to know where I'm stuck in a prison of powerlessness? All you need to do is hear what I complain about. Then you'll know. Uh, uh, I can only joke about this because everyone who knows Stephanie knows this is not true. So I can say, Stephanie, dagnabbit, why isn't she more attentive to me? That's Stephanie. She's such a barrier thinker all the time. She always sees the problems as if I'm powerless, as if I'm powerless in those things. We want to know where, where my powerlessness lies. Just listen to what I complain about. And I love the thought of Gandhi here. I don't often quote Gandhi, Gandhi in the middle of a sermon, but I will this time when he says, hey, Ron, you be the change you want to see in the world. And that's a window about powerlessness or how to reclaim our agency. Because the very thing that we complain about is the playing field where our agency can now be shown. I have choices. I can contribute. I can create. Why? Because we all are created in the image of God. Now imagine the Godhead on the day of creation, Father, Son, Spirit. You know, Genesis 1-1. You know, if we hear their voices, do we hear this? What is all this darkness? Oh, it's just tohu vabohu, formless and void. Something ought to happen about this. There ought to be a law. I'm going to file a complaint. That's not what we see in Scripture. What we see is, let there be light, and there was light. This is the image of God. This is the image in which we also are created. I want to be really careful here. I do. It doesn't mean that we control our circumstance. We don't, just like my father. Uh, aging, health, disability, mobility, these have all been on my mind recently. I'm reminded, though, of Viktor Frankl, a Holocaust survivor. And, and you'd think that in this this pit of evil and degradation, that surely that would count as the place of powerlessness. Excuse me. Surely that would count as the place of powerlessness. But even there, Frankel, you might know the book, Man's Search for Meaning, he says this, between stimulus and response, there is a space. And in that space, is our power to choose our response. And in our response lies our growth and freedom. The power to choose, to choose our response. And this is what it means to be created in the image of God. The power to choose, agency, the power to act. This is our inheritance, agency. We are not powerless. Our third characteristic we have, we've identified in the text is goodness. Community, agency, goodness. I mean, think about it. Every time God creates something, land, sea, sky, sun, moon, stars, flora, fauna, every time 
and God saw that it was good. Tov in Hebrew, and God saw that it was good. To create good, you got to be good. What does it mean that we're creative to, created tov, good? And by the way, when he was done, maybe just right after humankind is then created, it's no longer tov, now it's tov ma'od, very good. I say that often to Stephanie. You are tov ma'od. Sometimes I can't help myself. And I wonder if we believe it. I do, really, honestly, to myself as well. I wonder if we believe it, that we are created good, declared good, that the image of God, which is us, is good. Tov ma'od means that we're a reflection of his goodness and that good things happen in us and through us in this world. That's what we see in the Genesis story. Now, my good friend Eeyore didn't believe, believe this. Eeyore, the old gray donkey, stood by the side of the stream and looked at his reflection in the water. Pathetic, he said. That's what it is, pathetic. He turned and walked slowly down the stream for 20 yards, splashed across it, and walked back on the other side. Then he looked at himself in the water again. As I thought, he said, no better from this side. But nobody minds, nobody cares, pathetic. That's what it is. There was a crackling noise in the bracken behind him, and out came Pooh. Good morning, Eeyore, said Pooh. Good morning, Pooh Bear, said Eeyore gloomily, if it is a good morning, which I doubt. What's the stuck point to goodness? It's pessimism. That's what we see with Eeyore and so often, that's the stuck we find in ourselves too. Pessimism. Is that the image of God? And by the way, I know all about the fall. We all do. And we know that it's coming. But can we let Genesis 1 sink in for a while first? Tov ma'od. Now, now, just in case we think that the image of God was just obliterated in the fall, that there's no hope, I included as a secondary reading some passages from 2 Corinthians. As you're reading those later, if you do, take a look at the, at the word image and how it's used and who we are. And it's not just a transformation that takes place somehow at the end of the time. It's a transformation that is taking place now. It's already begun. We all, with unveiled faces, reflecting as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image, into the same likeness from one degree of glory to another. And it's already begun in each of us in Christ. I wish we had a little more Thomas Merton in our heads and in our hearts. Here's what Merton says. 
To say that I am made in the image of God is to say that love is the reason for my existence, for God is love. Love is my true identity. Selflessness is my true self. Love is my true character. Love is my name. This is the image to which we are restored in Christ. What does it mean to be created in the image of God? It means we're a reflection of His goodness. And it means that good things happen in us and through us in this world. Now, we've all heard of the Pygmalion effect. You know, this idea of a self-fulfilling prophecy. Uh, that we live into our own expectations and we live into the expectations of others. If a teacher thinks that you're dumb, then you may act like you're dumb or believe that you're dumb and have low scores. But if a teacher believes that you're brilliant, you somehow tend to become brilliant. We live into the expectations of others and the expectations of ourselves. So we're, we're talking about new beginnings and picture this screen as two different mindsets that we could find ourselves in. One mindset is the mindset of community. We're better together. Uh, the mindset of agency, the power to act, the power to do things. The mindset of goodness, that I bear the image of God and that image is good and that good things happen in me and through me in this world. Or an alternative mindset, of isolation, powerlessness, and pessimism. And you tell me which of those mindsets is more likely to experience a new beginning by the grace, power, and presence of God. And we all know that answer. We are, all of us, created in the image of God. Community, we're better together. We're made for the us. Agency. We are not powerless. Far from it, we bear the image. Agency. We choose. We act. We do things. Goodness. We are created in the image of God. That means we bear His goodness. And that good things happen in us and through us in this world. Do we believe this? Do we believe this? Do we believe this? In God's name, by the power of Christ, please, dear Lord, let us live into our inheritance, for we are the children of God, and we bear your image. And now, let us be who we are. Amen?